0: Welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod. Episode 17. So here we are on a lovely sunny day. And still on which schedule. Makes it change. Yeah, it does. It's like
1: Obviously, we've sort of skipped spring and gone straight into summer because we had a wet and cold April. Yeah, and it's suddenly really it's nice.
0: really warmed up. Really nice to have some warm sunny weather, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's good.
0: Um so, what were you talking about well, today? We're carrying on with yet another species
1: specific episode. I think that's three in a row now. And it's we do finally like them, though, don't we? finally onto the bug side of the birdie bug pod, although it's a beetle and not a true bug. Um and we're gonna be talking about stag beetles.
0: We are. Stag beetles are a fascinating creature.
1: Yeah, and they are stunning as well. Um this is very much for the people in the south of the UK rather than up north because yeah. don't get to see them up. And this there. is
0: this is probably more your area of expertise than mine but
1: i don't think we've done an insect episode yet no we have they featured in a few but this is our yeah. first uh episode dedicated to an insect yeah. which considering the title of the podcast it's uh it's overdue it definitely is so we're looking forward to that but should we just do a quick catch up have you got anything and you'll never believe it but no i don't have any catch nothing up. nothing at all um i've started going for some now that the weather's nice uh, morning walks around my local nature reserve not with a camera or anything because it's just before work but it's been nice to see and hear such a variety of birds and yeah as i'm going across the field uh you can tell that the insects are finally starting to pop up so i might need to start taking my camera out um but i haven't done yet so i don't really have catch up well what
0: i'm absolutely loving now is that sunrise is something like half past five yeah it's not nice. my favorite time of the day um And of course now it's not getting dark until nine. Yeah, which means I can
1: start taking the camera out after work, which would be nice. So those
0: evenings um, are now usable, usable, particularly when it's nice and warm as it is at the moment. But as
1: always, I assume you've got some catch up. I've only got got a
0: little bit and it's a bit like you. Now that we've had this nice bit of weather for a couple of days, I did go out for an early morning uh, walk on Friday, which was great. I went back to one of my... Normal little haunts, which is walking down a little part of the river Aran near Arundel, and um, I was literally falling over sedge warblers and reed warblers and reed buntings, and the noise they were making in the reeds. Have you heard the chattering yeah, of a reed often, and a sedge warbler? Yeah,
1: often when you walk anywhere around fantastic. those wetland nature reserves. Yeah, it it's is a quite a dominating Fantastic film.
0: little chattering, scratchy chattering noise, and, and they're little they're DJs. So, yeah, they're so noisy. So. Had a lovely hour or two walking down the river really early, Um, so it was nice to get back out there. And then I've been doing a fair bit of work with the RSPB volunteer work, which is really nice. And recently, actually, I've just written, which I'm hoping is going to go up on, be used on a specific page on this kent planning for nature network which we Sussex had the one.
1: links in the last episode but we can always keep sticking yeah. them in
0: if we want to direct people uh, there. i've just written a draft article which is being approved by the conservation officers at the moment all about the nightingale oh that's an interesting topic. fascinating topic yeah and it was all about again a bird that's been sort of revered down through the ages for its song and yeah. inspired poets and authors probably more
1: than a lot oh, of um, Beethoven yeah.
0: and Keats and Shakespeare and all sorts of uh, iconic um, musicians and po- poets have uh, eulogised about the nightingale. So, but it was also quite a fascinating one again to do, um, you know, about its the threats to the nightingale, yeah. of which there are many. It's now a red listed bird, and in fact, a seriously threatened red listed bird. A, an
1: episode there. I'd
0: like to do an episode about the nightingale because it's an extraordinary. Not one that bit. I know a huge amount about hmm. either, so maybe so, that'd be a nice episode. So that's uh, and aside from anything else, I've been really, really, really busy in work. So, um, but managed to get out a few times, and that's great. So, shall we crack on? Yeah, let's go straight in to stag beetles. Do you want to kick it off, or
1: do you want me to kick? No, it No, I think
0: it's your it's your gig. So I think you should kick it off. Okay.
1: Well, they are if if you've ever seen a stag beetle, they are pretty unmistakable, especially the males because they've got huge antler-like mandibles. Uh, they are actually the UK's largest beetle. Again, up to like sort of seven centimeters long. Like I say, it's very much one for the people in the southern parts of England yeah. because you don't typically get them up north. I know a lot of my friends who I uh, met in university had never seen one just because they all live in the northern parts. And we, and we actually had some in
0: our garden yeah, in in West Sussex, didn't we? And they were very jealous
1: of the fact mm. that we used to get. You could hear them emerging in our in our yeah. garden. You could sometimes hear them scratching under uh, sort of underground uh, as just before they popped up. Uh, I've got some interesting other names. Apparently, they used to be called, or, or also known as, Billy Witches, yeah, Oak Ox, Thunder Beetle, and Horse Pincher. Oh, and Horse Pincher. And that was an interesting one. You can sort of see why people have a misconception that they might have a nasty bite, because, like I say, the male's mandibles are huge, yeah. and they look like antlers. And they have the name Horse Pincher. Yeah. gives that implication that they're going to come and pinch you they're actually completely harmless they're completely harmless and actually they um, only
0: use those pincers literally for mating mating so they'll fight off the 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 competitive males um uh to obviously to to attract a mate yeah and win the win the rights it's like a wrestling match
1: um but they're they're quite interesting because they live in or the larvae live in dead rotting wood and when you look it's got of quick facts of a stag beetle. They'll say, "Oh, the lifespan is between two and seven years." But like six years, or <laughs> almost the entirety entirety of their life, is actually spent as a larva in dead wood. Yeah. So they might spend six years as a beetle grub, eating away at, inside a nice tree stump. They'll emerge,
0: live for a few months, mate, lay eggs, and then die. And so yes, when... I learned that. I didn't realise. I knew that they'd spent a lot of time underground as a larva, but I didn't realise that they'd spent so long and then so spent li- so <laughs> little time when they actually emerge.
1: Yeah, so the larvae, like I say, will, will live in dead and rotting wood, typically of uh, broad-leaved trees. So things like oak trees are a particular favourite, um, but they will also live in beech, willow, and ash. And they don't typically live in coniferous. Uh, species uh, and like i say it can take up to six years before they pupate as an adult but the adults will then pop out of the ground or out of the wood um in around may and literally the males will go around try and find a female wrestle yeah. them, throw a competitor to the ground mate the the females will lay sort of between 20 and 30 eggs in some rotting wood and then that's the end of the adult's life so i did read that they don't actually eat no they don't eat proper food they they do drink quite sweet fluids yeah. so things like um like tree sap and yeah. decomposing fruit as well uh but they almost rely entirely on energy stores that they've saved as a as a larva yeah so they're really not out that people sometimes think of them as being a pest but they're not out eating crops or no they're actually like no that. threat to no. your
0: garden or your your the environment of yeah. your garden whatsoever in fact they're very beneficial yeah, they
1: are because they're Detritable said yeah. you've got the um, the larvae decaying wood yeah. and recycling nutrients. Interestingly, though, in the Middle East, I did see that they are considered a pest because the larvae um, apparently dig into the root of date plants oh, okay. and they can impact the, the crop of growing oh, dates okay i didn't so know that not a thing for us here in, in the uk but in the middle east the lava are considered somewhat of a pest yeah. because they damage the the growth of
0: dates the lava are big as well aren't they? they? Big, in big, in they fact, big do you remember we had that rotting tree stump in that in, in one of our houses that we lived in uh, some time back yeah and, and you can actually um, see into it and you could see, and, of yeah, could in see into it and see see them sort of uh buried in the wood in all the rotting wood and they were huge
1: yeah hmm. they, they are Big big beetle grubs, and if you do ever see them emerge they you sometimes see them flying and you'll hear them if they fly because they make quite a deep sort of whirling sound. They're not very good flies because they're, they're quite heavy. heavy yeah, and like most beet well, or like beetles um like all beetles that insects have two pairs of wings, but in beetles, one of the pairs has evolved into a hard casing called elytra which protects their their wings, which means you've got a very big heavy bodied insect with only One pair of functional wings and they sort of just clumsily lumber about in the sky. Yeah, a bit like
0: bumblebees. I know they haven't got the hard casing, but bumblebees don't look as though they should be able to fly, do they?
1: Um, Both the male and the female can fly, but the females don't typically bother. They will just secrete some pheromones and let the males come to them. So if you see them in the air, it is more likely to be a male. Uh, they are sometimes confused. The females are sometimes confused with lesser stag beetles, and so they don't have the big um, no, they don't mandibles, have the big, do they? the big antlers. Yeah. And so and neither do the females of of stag beetles. Um. And so I think they that's why they were called a
0: stag beetle, wasn't it? Because their their mandibles look like the antlers. Yeah, and of they stags. use them in the same way. Yeah. So
1: you get the stags rutting. Yeah. And the male stag yeah. beetles essentially rut where they lock yeah. jaws and throw each other around. So they are almost like a perfect little insect version of a. Of a, of a stag, and they are stunning. Um, yeah, they are. But it, it's. Well, I've got. I know this is normally your job, but I have actually got a little bit of folklore. And I know are you. Are you going to steal
0: my folklore section?
1: You mentioned one to me, so I'll leave that one to you. And I don't know whether you've got this one. But mm. apparently, in classical Greek mythology, it claimed that a famous musician named Cerambus, who played the lyre, if that's how you pronounce it. Yes. Like yeah, it's like the u a sort of harp, isn't it? Um, which apparently is quite similar to a stag beetle's antlers. Yeah. Um, apparently, he he was rude this musician to some nymphs, and so they turned him into a stag beetle. <laughs> and so oh, okay. yeah. they actually feature in Greek mythology where some nymphs. Decided that I've, well, musician... I've got a
0: line here, not going into as much detail as that. And in, in ancient Greek mythology, the stag beetle was infamous. Was the infamous metamorphosis of a musician? So oh, okay, I didn't have that line. Yeah. So uh,
1: so they, they have actually featured quite a lot in mythology. If you want to tackle the thunder side of things, I yeah, would, I've they, they've said...
0: got ancient associations with storms and, and magical named thunder beetle. Yeah, and um, which led them to being both feared and revered, um, they appeared as talismanic emblems, apparently, in Central Europe. So, for, for example, placing a stag beetle on your head, apparently, would ward off the threat of being struck by lightning. Yeah, which we don't recommend trying. No, no. And and yet, in British folklore, stag beetles summoned thunder and lightning storms, and that scared the wits out of medieval peasants, apparently. Um, who they, they also believed that stag beetles flew around with hot coals in their antlers or their mandibles, yeah. dropping them onto thatched roofs I really antlers, were troublemakers then which obviously didn't happen but they that's what they believed they would set fire to buildings but yeah. um
1: i've also got that in germany they're all again associated with um thor and the god, yeah, of, god thunder. of thunder yeah and there was oh that, that's where the myth comes from where if yeah. you stick it on your head uh it protects you it's just it's interesting because it's not one that like if I was just to sit and look at a stag beetle, I wouldn't think thunder and lightning. No, I don't know and, where and the association
0: like that. of that thunder and lightning came about, that I couldn't find that information out. But uh, yeah, bit... most of the folklore around them became about, oh, sorry, was based around that. It was based yeah. around the thunder and lightning part. But um, can't couldn't find much in you know poetry or, <laughs> or or the written word or the musical word about stag Which beetles, is a shame, really. Which is probably not surprising, but. Um, but still, yeah, uh, I, I, I love looking back on the yeah, sort of old folklore surrounding an animal. Or it a seems species.
1: like all animals have at least a little yeah. bit. Um, but like we've said, they're in the south. One of the, one of the best places to actually see them can be in some of the royal parks in London. London, I did read that. It's a, it's a it supports a, a,
0: a significant population yeah. of um, stag beetles. I mean, obviously, we've seen
1: them here in, in West Sussex. They're, they're quite prominent along Hampshire as well.
0: Um, yeah I've read that because we live on the South Downs here and they don't like chalky no. soil so they don't like the South Downs it's one of the few places in the south east of England that you don't see I them.
1: sort of wonder how they made it to our garden
0: yeah they like um, they like warmer areas with low annual rainfall and, and light trees. soils which is why they don't like the chalky soils but um, but they do mainly live in south east of England um, and,
1: and also we should mention across Europe as well yes they are of course a it, across yeah. um, a lot of the continent
0: they're actually more under threat across europe than they are here
1: that's probably a good way to move into their population uh issue so obviously each time we pick a species it's normally because there's decline or they need some sort of help or especially and this is one of them i like it when there's things that individuals can do to help um which i think we mentioned back in our very first episode on making a wildlife friendly garden Uh, so they are a priority species for conservation in the uk And they've been in decline, like quite significant decline for the last few decades. Uh, But recently, their numbers have actually stabilised. So it's a slightly more upbeat episode than usual, because in in the last few years, their numbers are gradually uh, stabilising and and no longer on that real downward trend. Uh, But they are very much in decline in Europe and red listed in quite a lot of European countries. Yes, and protected here as well now. Yeah. They're also protected from being uh, caught and sold as well, which I found quite interesting. Well, they are here, but they're
0: not in other places. There are some places across the world, um, Japan uh, being one of them. Um, Yeah, and they've also,
1: there's a few countries in Europe where they've actually gone extinct. They've been reintroduced to a couple quite successfully, which is nice. Um, But the main cause, and this is, again, a similar trend. mm, Similar story. Yeah, slightly different though is um, obviously habitat loss yeah now their habitat's quite unique we're not talking about whole wetland or anything like that it is rotting dead wood yeah and that's been lost as people have sort of decided that what's prettier than a you know overgrown garden or, or a park that's a bit wild is nice tidy Woodlands. it's the tidying isn't it yeah, that's so the it's, problem it's where if trees have been cut down or something rather than leaving the stump to rot or everything sort of pulled out left and made very neat and tidy and what they need is a bit of mess they need that little pile of wood to rot in the corner of a garden or
0: yeah, so often they of course they need this rotting wood that's sort of half submerged in the ground as well and left underground isn't it so yeah that.
1: so if it's underground it, it sort of increases the humidity and, and helps the wood decay a bit quicker which is actually easier then for the lava to consume um, so that sort of that deadwood habitat has been lost in gardens woodlands parks just as yeah. people have tidied up but obviously we also have broad-leaved woodlands being turned into farmland it, or urban development yes it's
0: a change of, of um, farmland use as well isn't it yeah. which is another familiar um, issue that we talk yeah. about seemingly every two weeks
1: and the other important thing which i think sometimes is easily overlooked is some of our natural woodland has been turned into a forestry plantation and so rather than having a nice mixture of tree species and again a a messier woodland floor you've got very monocultured trees often not native trees either just being grown for timber so even when you look and see a nice green space it's not necessarily a a, a favorable habitat not just for the beetles but for for all sorts of wildlife when you rather than having a proper mixed woodland
0: yeah there are a number of other issues as well Uh, they're very prone to being run over by cars in urban areas yeah all
1: stepped on Because they they Uh, do like a warm surface and
0: tarmac does get
1: nice and warm. And
0: and they're also very vulnerable to predation. And of course, there's been predation from cats and foxes and crows. And there has been, we talked about um, the explosion in uh, crow populations that were affecting curlews uh, curlews and foxes. foxes, Yes, because of that that increase in predation for uh, animals that are vulnerable to that. And uh, that is another issue for for uh, stag beetles. Yeah, I think
1: I think in that episode he mentioned something about the UK or, or England having like the highest crow population yeah. in Europe or fox yeah. population. It's been those. a real
0: explosion of uh, of population of those two predators, and it is having a having a big effect.
1: Yeah, and if you think that which isn't
0: a reason to you know call to support fox hunting. No, but, but essentially
1: <laughs> again, it's a it's another example of. Uh, as, you, as they lose habitat, as we lose woodland, the connectivity of yes. the habitat's is disappearing, which will then mean that the snag beetles are going to, the males especially, or the adults, are then going to, once they've emerged, have to travel a lot further to try and find a female, yeah. which means they're more likely to... There's a higher risk if they can't just hop across the next lock if it's the only habitat available to yeah. them in the area, and so they're, they're more um, likely and, to be. And obviously, exposed. that changing
0: habitat as well has had that effect on the increase in predators. And, yeah, um, yeah of So it's, it's a has. it's a completely cyclical thing, isn't yeah. it? It's that um, that ripple effect of the, the changes of of urban environments and farmland that are that are changing all aspects from yeah, of increased predators more risk to vulnerable uh, species yeah. and so
1: you also typically we're start to see you know increased or, or at least the, the use of heavy insecticides yeah. and, and everything like that it's also not one that's necessarily been studied heavily but again it's a bit like in the swift episode it's sort of just assumed now that as climate change progresses and we start getting some slightly more extreme or slightly uh, less predictable weather like this year for example we've had a lot of uh, rain uh, and and not necessarily a lot of warmth which can delay emerging of of yeah. insects but also and it's not too bad we're coming to what the end yeah the end of may and they normally emerge in may they don't like Wet weather, especially for flying and and searching yeah. for a mate, and so if, if we start, start having funky weather patterns again, that can impact their just the survivability. The adults don't have a lot of time to find a mate, no, and and they get their job building up to that for, for like five years, years or yeah. something. So and they don't have. It's the same with a lot of insects that emerge. Only have some of them only have a day or yeah. two to you know, got mate. they time there, absolutely spot on, haven't they? And, and sort um, that one role of of the adult. Uh, and so if you start having weather that falls outside the normal pattern for what they should assume you start seeing populations drop as they can't survive yeah. long enough to to reproduce but but
0: like you alluded to in the beginning of the episode there is that it has stabilized and there yeah. is a little bit of hope for the stag beetle yeah, which because is lovely.
1: and their range has extended slightly as well because
0: you know they they can survive and breed just in single trees and stumps so you know even if there are a few things yeah, left behind little pockets or a enough um
1: now that i guess actually is probably a consequence of climate change we've seen this with a lot of other birds and insects is their population is extend extending slightly further north and that's probably because yeah. the north is getting warmer
0: i think also there's been a there's been quite a big awareness raised about snake beetles and, yeah. and actually biodiversity as a whole and i think people are becoming more aware and i think as you know the more people are uh, uh, sort of educated by the fact that this beetle is an absolutely an incredible animal mighty. and not of any threat in any way shape or form uh, there um, is something
1: quite magnificent about a big beetle stag beetles in the uk when i was in arizona we had the big um rhinoceros beetles that have a big oh horn. yeah they're huge aren't they and i had it on my hand and it's just I don't know. It takes you back to like the Carboniferous yeah. period where insects were all massive, and it's just like how it looks is like huge. a sort of you know, like an armored Triceratops, yeah. doesn't it?
0: That kind of thing. Um,
1: so it's just there's something quite magnificent mm. about an insect of that size, and you know, unlike a giant hornet or something, it's not threatening at all. So you can sort of admire yeah. it without without <laughs> yeah, anyone. They are
0: incredible, and I, I just did, I do remember that summer evening at our old house where there were three or four of them flying about i mean they don't fly very well but they made such a yeah. noise but they were absolutely magnificent yeah we to, were very lucky watch. in that gun because yeah, we, we saw were. them a
1: couple of years actually yeah um and they did yeah they had quite a good habitat yeah
0: because as you you know as you said there are some people in this country that have never seen them like your friends yeah, well, obviously our, my friends uh, up in the north of we were re- very jealous about that yeah, when we you were <laughs> sending them pictures and
1: we met obviously because we uh, we met at the entomology society so we're all big insect fans it's sort of like the yeah. animal group that we were all particularly interested in and then over summer i'm just like oh we've got stag beetles again and I'm like, oh what do you mean again i've never seen yeah. never seen one yeah. and lucky enough to not it wasn't it was still a, a sight for us it wasn't like a, a regular thing but you'd still see them out and about i've stumbled across them walking to southampton university and and things yeah. like well,
0: that I, I, I guess because you know they can spend an so much time underground that they spend the majority of their life under there. They're not They're not a particularly common sight, are they? No, no they're not. And, and they've got that little window, like you sort said, of two weeks or so when they yeah. first emerge, where they're around and you've got that little two-week window to see them around, what is it, May, July, t- May, yeah. June time? They sort
1: of they, they come out May-ish and they, they've disappeared or they are sort of gone by the end of July. Yeah. So it's a bit more than two weeks, a couple of months Yeah. Um, where you might be able to spot them. Spot them, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said... One of the reasons why the numbers have started to stabilise is a bit of education and, and a few good projects. So we can sort of move on to not only yes. what people can do, but yeah. what is being done. Yeah. Now, unsurprisingly, given what we said, the best thing that people can do is provide habitat
0: for them. Yeah, and it's really easy it to do. It is
1: very simple. It's, it's probably the simplest yeah, action. you just got
0: to <laughs> bury a little, bit of, you know, a little bit of wood, half in, half out, rotting, uh, a tree stump or a rotting tree stump. Just put it in a in a shady, not too wet, but a shady corner of the garden. garden. Tuck it behind the trees if you don't want people to see it. And just leave it it alone. Yeah, just some um, dead
1: wood. And to be fair, we can't obviously guarantee you'll get stag beetles, but there are only one of 650 beetle species in the UK that depend on dead wood. So even if you don't get stag beetles, it's still just a fantastic it's a great habitat for lots of things that aren't beetles but for beetles in general you've got 650 species that might make use of of just a pile of wood i will
0: say in my little garden i've now got five log piles we've always had piles, yeah in various parts of the garden now and using various um material and um and also i've got a a wood pile with upturned um uh grass turf on it so you know, you create that sort of uh, soil environment as yeah, well, actually... covered up with wood and it's ever so easy yeah, to do. I think in I fact, read... when you're, you know, when you're planting a, as we all know, if you're planting a new shrub or a tree in your garden, you always end up with some excess soil or you've taken the top of the grass off to plant something in your lawn. Don't, don't take that down to the recycle or put it in your brown recycle bin, put it in your garden and create a a pile and cover it in logs and, and it's absolutely ideal yeah. not just for stag beetles but for all sorts of invertebrates and you get
1: lots of things like centipedes yeah. and millipedes and it's, it's really
0: easy to do and everybody's got a, a dark shady sort of damp part of their garden yeah that's hidden away. again
1: with when we always talk about it all being linked that attracts things like um like hedgehogs yeah and you get things like yeah. toads that come in for for Definitely. all the grubs and Such so an it's easy really nice to little habitat it's also Lots of people end up, whether they have to um, or, or whether they choose to, cutting down big trees in their garden. Now, if it's not inconvenient, um, leaving the stump in yes. the ground is really good. If if not, you can dig the stump out and actually make that part of the log pile. Yes. But leaving a stump, at least partially in the ground, is is absolutely ideal. Uh, but there's lots of other things you can do. It's things like um, don't use too much like uh, like polythene or mesh in your garden. So people put mesh down, don't they, before they... I think you put mesh down before yeah, I your made gravel. A, I
0: made a mistake of doing that with leading I did that. I put um I put some gravel down that led up a pathway and on the edge of the pathway was this rotting tree stump which I left. But I took the membrane to stop weeds coming underneath yeah. the, the, the shingle and the gravel path and I put a membrane and then I put the shingle on. And at that time, when we were sitting in that little spot, we could hear all this we could scratching. Hear scratching, and, and they of course they and get couldn't out. get through the membrane. So we we tweaked quite quickly what it was, and uh, and and tore big holes in the membrane to let them out. Yeah. So, so
1: that sort of thing where you might not even think about yes. it. Well, I didn't think. We about We only that. tweaked it because we'd seen stag beetles the yeah. previous year, and then we and heard all that incredible yeah, scratching noise from trying underneath. Trying to break through. Yeah. So things, yeah, like meshes or or anything, anything that could block. Uh, moving through the layers uh is a good thing to to avoid because they'll get trapped down there from quite a nice simple thing is if you spot one out on a road or pavement just move it yeah so that's actually where i've seen i've seen more stag beetles on pavements and roads than i have in a forest and normally females weirdly enough and just i've just picked them up and plunked them in a bush tucked away so birds can't see them yeah um just so they don't get run over or a cat is less likely to them. If you them. remember,
0: I took a really amazing shot of a kestrel with a beetle. Well, I don't think it was a stag beetle, but it was a, it li- was a, it was a really violet large... ground beetle. Yeah, I so think. I think even birds of prey will take stag yeah, beetles. Yeah, especially the and... smaller falcons. Yeah.
1: Um, the other simple thing is covering up water butts. Yeah. And just keeping an eye on your pond because they're not very good swimmers. And so sometimes if they fall into water, uh, they might just need a hand and a little lift out. So, yeah. <laughs> just again, just, just keeping an eye on them. And then if you want to get even more involved rather than just making a little habitat is actually, again, I think this has popped up a few times recently, is recording your sightings. Um, and the timing of this episode is quite nice because I've seen three news articles in the last week for a call for people to record stag beetles sightings. So there's a really good organization called the People's Trust for Endangered Species. Yeah, called the Great Stag Hunt, isn't it? Yeah, they run Yeah, they run the Great yeah. Stag Beetle Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've just seen a few news articles uh, around, I think one was in Surrey, one was in London, uh, and one was in Sussex, just saying that if you find one, a bit like with Swift Mapper and stuff like that, there's a, an article, or yeah. a link, and you can just go and log, just so that we can keep an eye on their numbers and where they are. And I think last year, the great Stag Peter Hunt had almost 10,000 recordings, and they were found in places that we'd never known them which to be fantastic before. isn't it so it's a, again if people aren't out there recording it the the trusts and and the people who are keeping an eye on researching and monitoring their populations would have n- had any idea until the members of public could yeah upload their data yeah that's so,
0: citizen science is so important isn't yeah.
1: it so there's the, the very simple way and, and that is literally if you see one you can record it if you want to go even further uh you can actually join the stag beetle count which requires a volunteer or volunteers to walk to the local area yeah uh, looking for stag beetles for 30 minutes um six times over either june or july yeah and so that's Which is not a big deal is no. it no so if you wanted to take it simply from oh, i've spotted a stag beetle on my walk to work yeah. or while i was gard- gardening and i'll stick it i'll upload it and actually dedicate it there also it will always be done on quite a warm sunny day so yeah. it's a nice excuse to get out for a walk. yeah
0: there's a the london wildlife trust are also yeah. doing that where they're asking you to record sightings because as we said earlier on uh london's a really really important um Hot spot uh, for environment them. for yeah hotspot for stag beetles so they're they're asking a similar thing to the people's trust for endangered species to go and log your sightings of uh stag beetles because that as we have said many many times that data invaluable. is invaluable so so valuable um because it's, it's very
1: hard to work out how much help they need or what sort of yeah. help they need if we don't know the trend yeah. of their population where they are and what sort of places they're being found so just being able to look at a map or go okay this is the population as of last year uh or they have not we haven't got as many recordings yeah. from surrey this year as last year and just being able to
0: track that is is such an important isn't it part. fantastic that whatever um episode we seem to do about an endangered, endangered species there are some organizations asking you to get involved yeah. and and record sightings and and just send them any data, and here we are talking about stag beetles, and there are sites there saying, "Please come on, record your yeah." It's great. I love that. Yeah, so and much. I
1: think it is. There's been a slight resurgence in the last few years of the general interest in wildlife. Yeah. I think. Obviously, we had the Wild Isles documentary, which has helped. But in general, there's been a few David Attenborough documentaries the last couple of years. And there's there's been a bit of a real boost for, for just the general public caring yeah. about wildlife. Because we
0: did it even with seagrass. Yeah. You know, people there's
1: people out there
0: dedicating time just oh, that's to
1: Putting the seagrass seeds yeah. in But they the also coast. want,
0: if you've seen it, you know, if you see yeah, it while you're it. swimming in the sea on your summer holidays or whatever, then record it. You know? I think
1: because, like I said, the, 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 there's an awareness now that... The general public the people who aren't necessarily involved in the research care yes and there is no better way of obtaining such widespread data you can't hire thousands no, you of just, scientists you just can't get
0: the resources to do to, that to collect
1: you? data across the entire country yeah. consistently whereas it's a lot easier to get people to count their birds for 30 minutes every yeah. january and then Well over- i
0: count I do a bird count for a garden bird watch for BTO every single Sunday. Yeah, and so it takes me I mean I sit I love sitting watching the birds anyway. I I just record what I've seen through the week and every Sunday night I go onto the BTO um website and I record what I've seen in Garden Birdwatch yeah. and they they send um you know a really detailed analysis of that <laughs> every six months they'll say right here steve this is what you've seen this is your trend it's it's yeah. And there's, there, it's like, so there's just
1: no way of having that consistent data collection across the entire yeah. country without using yeah. people who are just and they've got tens daily. of thousands of people
0: yeah. inputting that data every sunday which
1: is, it's just it's a really nice thing to think that you're contributing yeah. to the fact and it, that
0: it, and it's so simple to do yeah
1: so if you fancy going and looking out for some yeah. insects and not only insects but our biggest beetle then make sure you upload it and most of it is done through ptes people's trust for endangered yeah. species and we'll obviously stick all the links in the show notes and people can read a bit more about the great stag beetle one, which i will admit i didn't even know was a thing there was and that's a...
0: why that's why i made the point isn't yeah. it brilliant we pick a we pick a an endangered species that we think would be really interesting to talk about and next thing we know we find there's a you know, there's a whole, whole little campaign, going, campaign going on and people recording and asking us to help and do the same so uh,
1: so this one this episode actually comes with quite a lot of nice things i mean again as the
0: weather improves it's a lovely
1: time to get out in the garden yeah and doing it now is is a great time if, if you can build that habitat because obviously towards the end of june july they're going to need to start laying eggs and so they're going to need to find habitats yeah. to go and stick and, their and, eggs and in. it is trying to get that
0: perception of the the difference of a lovely feathery cute little bird and a you know beetle a big beetle and and actually i think there's we'll i'm sure we'll do an episode on it one day um soon is that i'm not entirely sure how much awareness there is about one of the biggest crises going on in the environment is the loss of huge decline in insects which i think i've mentioned before
1: i wrote an article yeah and it is it's one of those. Where, it's one of
0: those that's really easy just to ignore, isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah, and people don't like them as much, and they're also easier to overlook because they're smaller. Yeah. But it's obvious for, for very obvious reasons: if the insects go, everything goes. It's a ripple effect. Not again, only do it? they pollinate all of our feed crops, birds. and stuff, but they're then the food source all the way through the yeah. food chain. So feed
0: the amphibians, feed the reptiles, feed their feed the fish. foxes. You know, it's it's, it's it's very
1: much: if the insects go, the rest of the ecology yeah. crumbles, and so yeah. the the fact that Without even really getting the media attention or anything like that, they're slowly just, not even slowly, they're
0: quietly disappearing. Yeah. Is quite scary. And one of the reasons why people are saying, "Oh, why aren't we seeing as many birds in our garden anymore?" And that's one of the big factors.
1: Yeah, just loss of food. And, and we talked,
0: to, we talked all about swifts last or well, two weeks ago, and one of the biggest reasons, apart from loss of urban environment and and their nesting habitat, was a huge decline in. In insects, yeah, because so, they're feeding on the wing ten months a year, pretty much. So, so,
1: it's nice that we finally got an insect into their their yeah, it's great. Aaron episode. Maybe we need to start bringing in a couple more. I know that, that we've mentioned. I think we do. We've mentioned them in a few of the myth episodes, and then uh with the good news stories. There was a few with the butterflies coming yeah. back. Yeah, but there are lots of our uh, insects that are struggling. And like I say, it's, it's quite positive that stag beetles are stabilising here, Europe. They're in a lot of trouble. Um, but if there's ever going to be an insect to get people interested, it has to be a big, magnificent, mighty, antler-wielding beetle, mm. rather than it's, yeah, it's mighty. Yeah, and so if you, I hope people do get to see them because they really are stunning. They are amazing, and um, I'm
0: very fortunate that for this episode, we normally do a little Instagram story to to you know to alert people that we've got a new episode up, and I am very fortunate that I managed to take some. A couple of really good pics from uh from our old house when they were out and about walking up and down our path yeah i think
1: i've got a passable photo mm. um
0: and they are but absolutely I haven't, magnificent. Fair, I haven't seen
1: one i saw a female i don't think it was a lesser stag beetle i think it was a female stag beetle last year in southampton but i haven't seen them for a little while um as far as our normal little organization highlight we've obviously mentioned people's trust for endangered species uh, and um the london wildlife trust, Wild trust, trust, but again beyond the fact the ptes which is a newish one for me i've only sort of seen them a couple of times it is the normal contenders the rspb do a lot wwt do quite a lot on their reserves yeah there's always a woodland uh, a wood pile and information yeah about and the, the woodland beetles. trust do a lot Woodland as well. Trust do a huge yeah. amount because for obvious, for obvious reasons, reasons yeah. they like woodlands and they like yeah a lot of dead wood habitat so the woodland trust plays a big role yeah. in trying to make sure that the forests are kept in a yeah. not super tidy, yeah, in places as yeah. they should be yeah um and then just the wildlife trusts across the yeah. across the country again do fantastic work and and have volunteers out there doing habitat management well i think
0: you'll find apart from the london wildlife trust there are other uh, local and county trusts sussex wildlife trust yeah. places like that that are all doing these you know, if you spot a, a stag beetle, please yeah, record, it. All- send us your pictures. Lo- lots of them are asking for pictures, so if you do see one, um, you know, do take a picture and put it up on these sites. And um, And as we say, if you do see one on a road or on a, pavement they're really really harmless to pick up they are not going to they're very gentle yeah they're not they can't to bite clamp they, on as, you as we said their... they don't
1: they don't really eat they've no. got really weak jaws um the the males are only using they've got, they've got quite a sticky feet and they've, and, ca- um, they've got very sticky, sticky feet. feet
0: but you can pick them up really easily and just put them in in some kind just of tuck, shelter yeah
1: tuck them in some vegetation yeah uh the wildlife trusts and rspb and woodland trust also as always have a, a really good resource for how to create a good yeah uh, habitat yeah and all the little things that we've mentioned that you can do for stag beetles, they've got lots of little guides for how. Yes, you funny can help enough, them. I
0: downloaded one this morning because it's a really good guide on how to do a, a proper little log. Yeah. Because
1: um, there are, like you've mentioned, there are certain like you want to pick the right corner, yeah. and you don't you don't you, want you it. You need direct to put it in the right and place. And you
0: also need to to pick the right type of wood, whether it be oak or, or oak in particular. Yeah, is, oak is in particular, liked. they love, and you need to leave the bark on if you can, on onto a tree stump or a. a You know, if you've got a piece of of old wood that you've found, leave the bark on. Don't strip that off and sort of semi-submerge it into the soil, in a in a shady, sort of dark area, and just leave it alone.
1: Yeah, it does. It's very much not one to tend to. Just. Leave it be,
0: which is easy, isn't it? It's not like you got to cut the grass every week, you know. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Although it's no
1: mow so no cutting. grass. Yeah. Well, I
0: haven't, as you can see, I haven't, I haven't cut mine
1: at all. I can't remember whether I mentioned the fact that I didn't want the really nice verge along my road to be cut, and they have, they've, they've left little islands, yeah, well, which yeah is nice, but the islands could be a lot yeah. bigger, and there are areas where it's just decimated, and now my walk to the shops, which used to be in the grass, there was blackbirds and thrushes and bees is now just cut grass i'm just like oh come on Eastleigh's Eastleigh council's slogan is um combating climate change or something like that and i'm just like are you though
0: yeah we, we, we haven't done too bad our district council is quite good I, was a bit annoyed. Um, I might email them i have person. noticed that where they where you're approaching roundabouts they've cut it down so you can actually see yeah. cars coming from the other direction but They've actually been quite good at leaving, and they were really good last year at leaving the grass verges very long. So
1: like I said they've left little, they've left islands of long grass yeah. surrounded by cut grass, but the, the islands are so small compared to the area, and I'm yeah. like, it doesn't look anywhere near as nice as when well, it was full of wildflowers. Well, you can see mine flowers.
0: at the moment. Mine's about eight inches yeah, long. Yeah, we've at had the
1: magpies jump jump yeah. down while we've recorded. Oh, this. I've had
0: starlings. So many starlings grabbing track, around in the long grass as well. So
1: we've gone on a bit of a tangent. Yeah, we have. Um, Sorry about that actually to be fair we but, can probably start to wrap it up
0: yeah I think um I think we've said, I think we've covered pretty much all there needs to be covered about this amazing yes, little creature. The main creature. takeaway
1: is: make a log pile. Uh, don't put a sack beetle on your head to protect you from lightning, <laughs> yeah. um, because it will probably not help. And they've got sticky feet, so you won't. And they're, off your and head. they're
0: really not going to harm you in any way, shape, or form.
1: And just keep an eye out for them, because
0: they're they also are not going to harm your your plants or your trees in your garden in any way, shape, or form, because they only they only thrive on rotting vegetation and wood. So. Yeah, and I do hope you get to see one fly because it is quite funny. It's noisy as well, yeah, isn't it? They do struggle. Mm. it's just a bit heavy. Well, that's something I regret actually, is I never got one in the air in on a photograph, which I really wished I had anyway i'm I'm working really hard in this garden to like I say I've got five wood piles at the moment, and I'm going to adapt a couple of them a little bit more on the basis of what we've just said there about submerging more wood into the ground into the into the soil. And covering, yeah, Just covering very quickly,
1: it one of the reasons why that's so beneficial is it helps fungi grow and the stag beetle is quite like fungi and a few, uh, I think there's like a white rot infection and it again just makes the wood damp and soft yeah. and more decayed and so it's an even easier food for the uh, larva to consume so yeah. it's actually quite good to, to get some fungi in there. Which we and also, if you've
0: never seen it, even a picture of a stag beetle, go and check it out, because it's absolutely well, incredible. Well, you'll see it on our Instagram, won't you? Well, of course you will. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Of course you will. You'll see, in fact, the picture I took. Exactly. Right. So, right, OK. I hope you've hope you enjoyed something. that.
1: and uh, We enjoyed it. As always. And I've come away, I felt like a species I knew quite well, but even I've learned, I did have no idea about the mythology behind them.
0: No, I've definitely learned a little bit about stag beetles. And I didn't know they lived great. so
1: long, At seven years uh, but we'll catch you in the next episode yeah and uh, thanks again thanks, thanks very listening. much
0: for listening and we'll catch you next time mm-hmm. bye 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 ah, ah, ah. <laughs>